How are we doing today, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports. I am your host, Austin Paschke, joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth. Like always, today is going to be a great episode. We highlight some Olympic sports that we haven't highlighted in a little bit. We cover volleyball, women's golf, soccer, men's and women's tennis, and we also highlight the Utah State game that happened on Saturday. We also look at Nevada basketball and their exhibition game that happened on Saturday as well. It's going to be a great episode, guys, and stay tuned. And we're back. How are we feeling about the weekend? A little, some Olympic sports took place. We didn't cover it on Friday. We're going to be able to cover it today. It's a pretty good weekend for PAC sports and all in all. Yeah, I mean, not the best we've seen throughout kind of our coverage so far this year. We did have a couple disappointing losses here and there. Um, we had some of the other Olympic sports kind of do well, so that's always good to see. But yeah, definitely kind of a, an up and down weekend for Nevada sports in general. Let's look at one of the sports that did fairly well over the weekend, and that would be women's golf. Women's golf picked up a third-place finish at the Harbottle Invitational. That was an 18-team field, so it's a pretty good finish to pick up that third-place spot. It was the second straight third-place finish for women's golf. As a team, they shot four over, 292 on Tuesday, which was the third-best team score on the final day. They finished the whole tournament at 16 over, seven shots back of the runner-up. Leading the charge was sophomore Victoria Galley, who picked up her first top five finish of the season with a score of two under par. She also got the Student Athlete of the Week award from the university, so that's pretty, it's pretty nice to see. In her last 36 holes, she has played bo bogey-free golf while carding four birdies. Also, another top 10 individual placement from sophomore Danny Ujimorin, who tied for 7th. Next tournament is October 27th through the 29th in Las Vegas Collegiate Showdown in Henderson, Nevada. So we'll be able to recap that as well. But ultimately, a pretty good week for uh, women's golf. Finishing third, that's what we wanted a top 5 finish. They got a top 3, so that's pretty good for them. Yeah, I mean, incredible play from the women's golf team this week. Like you said, four over on Tuesday, they were uh, tied for fourth place coming into that last 18 holes. They shoot a four over, which kind of put them and separated them in between um, them in the fourth place finisher. But yeah, I mean, a great weekend. We see Victoria Gailey, who picked up first top five. I mean, a huge, huge tournament for her. And playing bogey free golf in 36 holes is very, very difficult. I mean, you're hitting your shots left and right. You're not making any mistakes, and if you are making mistakes, you're recovering very well from them. That's something we always like to see from golf, men's and women's, um, how they're going to recover if they hit bad shots. Um, and then four birdies along that stretch, which you know just means she's hitting some great shots as well. So it's awesome to see that. Two top ten finishers, something we haven't seen this season from yep. women's golf, which is also a really good sign. So, I mean, the team's going up and up. I think I said a top ten would be good and then a top five would be really good i know you were hybrid on the top five for sure you know blowing our expectations away with the top three so mm -hmm. got to keep this up for women's golf it's good to see them hitting the ball really well and uh we're definitely looking forward to that uh las vegas showdown yeah it'll be fun to see them head down to las vegas go to henderson nevada the the unforgiving territory of the little brothers down south but bogey free in 36 holes i've probably played 36 holes my entire life and i think i've never had I've never not had a bogey. So or have you even had a bogey or less? <laughs> yeah, it was probably, you know what, you're right. It's probably double bogey. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was the best one. But that's very impressive, and we'll hopefully keep that going. We'll be able to recap that one on next Monday's episode. We'll be yeah. able to recap that and see how they do in Henderson, Nevada. Going on to some tennis, we'll keep it going with women's tennis. The women are back in action this week. At the same time, the ITA Mountain Invitational in Las Vegas. Their last competition was the Cal Fall Invitational. That was way back in September. After nearly a month break in the fall schedule, the University of Nevada women's tennis team returns to action this week at the ITA Mountain Regional in Las Vegas. The event begins on Wednesday and runs through Sunday, with UNLV being the host site. The Wolfpack last played at the Cal Fall Invitational at the end of September, freshman Kinsia Shikanova 
advanced to the final of the white bracket in her first collegiate event. So while women's tennis has been off for a while, we're going to be going down south again. A lot of a lot of sports playing in Vegas right now. It's okay, I guess. It's a nice nice place to play as long as we're beating the little brothers down south. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I know Kinsia Shikanova, I'm totally butchering that name, but I know she will be able to hopefully build on her last performance. She is a true freshman, so you know, seeing how she can grow and build will be in, important to watch. But hopefully they can keep it going and looking to keep it going in the same sense is men's tennis. Julian Evard, who we've been talking about a lot on this show, is kind of the, the leader of this men's tennis team. Julian Evard and the team were invited to the ITA Mountain Regional, which went from last Wednesday to this Sunday. The first day was a tough one for the boys as three pack players dropped their matches that first day, including Evard. Nevada did have a win on the day as Gavidas Motuzas won 6-4 and then 6-3. Thursday was a little bit better for the team as Everard won all three of his consolation games after his early knockout the day before. Everard would battle his way back and reach the consolation finals on Sunday, eventually losing in that finals match 7-5 and then 6-4. Everard ended up going 5-2 in five days of play. The next action looking ahead will be November 1st through the third in the Pacific Fall Invitational in good old Stockton, California. Men's tennis looking up and up. Julian Evard might have been a little bit disappointed from his first round exit, but certainly made up for it going all the way to the consolation final match, which he did lose, but it was ultimately, I think, a good good tournament for men's tennis. Definitely could have done a lot better, but as long as you're kind of building on momentum and seeing how far you can get and then looking you know obviously looking ahead and looking to get better in every single tournament yeah definitely in that uh consolation we had a lot of players playing in the consolation game a couple of them won their first match most of them lost in that round of 32 matches although um but like you said i think avard was really kind of disappointed in that first round exit so making it back to the consolation final was consolation prize I guess is the best way to put it for him Um, obviously not doing as well as he thought he would and probably as a lot of people expected him to do but yeah men's tennis you know keeps building on some of these smaller tournaments Um, like a mountain regional we had Julian Vard playing in All-America ITA uh, a couple weekends ago and now we're in regionals for this next upcoming season so it's really interesting to see the guys how they do against some top tier competition especially on kind of our side of the country really good to see a lot of couple wins get picked up here and there and then doubles we didn't do quite as well as uh, we thought with Julian Avard and his teammate but all in all kind of a some room to improve for men's tennis as they uh, start really preparing for some of these other tournaments coming up they will be off like we said until November 1st and 3rd so we'll be able to recap that after it happens as well but turning our sights to soccer the season might be done for we didn't want to say it we have the most faith in soccer, but the season looks like it's done. I think we have three games left in the season. We currently, right now, are 3-12, and 2-6 and six in conference play. Thursday, Fresno State, we lost to them 2-0, to zero, and then again lost Sunday to San Jose State 2-0. to zero. Offense, again, not coming up, um, not putting the balls in the back of the net. And like we've been saying, if you cannot score, no matter how good our defense is, slash goalie is playing we will lose the game if we cannot score fresno moved to eight and four and two with the win at home they beat us in shots by i mean totally dominating 18 to 6 in the shot battle however we did win the corner and save battle so a little bit of a bright spot even though the save battle is because they got so many more shots on goal than us but i mean still finding the positives where we can freshman gabby brown with the most shots on goal for the pack with two of the three that we had as a team. And then Kendall Stovall had four saves against Fresno on that Thursday game. Gabby Brown has consistently been the best player on the offense. She's a true freshman. So while this season may be gone, we'll be able to look forward to her playing next season. Against San Jose State, the pack was again beat in the shot battle category, 18-5, to even worse on Sunday. Stovall with four saves again, and also Hannah Roberts saw action with her first collegiate save. She had four. Both keepers allowed one goal each. 
Game seemed a little chippy with three yellow cards and both teams having over 10 fouls each. That may be contributed to just the frustration as a team, maybe. I mean, you're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. Three more games left, and you've only won three in the entire season. So it's kind of it's like, you know... I could see the chippiness from the players because of just how the season's been going on. Yeah, that's kind of what I took out of it as well. You know, three yellow cards, two of them were actually on San Jose State. One being, the first one being Gabby Brown, I believe in like the 46th minute, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I see little chippiness from both sides. Probably our girls might have started initiating some of that. Uh, Like you said, kind of due to the frustration, both these teams aren't the best in the conference, so maybe both really trying to get a win and kind of move their way up the Mountain West standings. But like you said, I think we're starting to look forward to next season already. Like Hannah Roberts seeing action goals, she saw 63 minutes of action. Um, That might be due to the fact that we're trying to rest Kendall and kind of save her, prepare her for next season, give some of these freshmen some looks on the field that might help us moving forward. But like you said, it's, it's kind of a tough season to watch. We do have our senior day coming up for the few seniors that we do have on this team, right. a lot of underclassmen. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch how we finish out the season, if the ladies can finish out strong, or if they you know, make a couple of these games close, I think it would be kind of a bright spot to end the season as we pr- we'll probably see more and more players who don't see the field a lot in the beginning of the season start to get some action here. But yeah, soccer, kind of a transition into next season as we see some of these coaching moves, but... It'll be interesting to see how they finish, if they can really finish the season strong and maybe pick up a win or two. Yeah, it's going to be a kind of a quiet senior day as we only have three seniors on the team. So like you said, a really young soccer team that we have looking forward to next season. We have Amelie Small, who will be graduating this year, Audrey Barham, and then last but definitely not least, Sarah Olanda, who all three will be leaving us after this season on Senior Day, which is against Colorado State on the 26th at Mackey. So you guys will be able to go and watch the last home game of the season for soccer. Maybe we'll be able to end on a high note and give you know Wolfpack fans something to look forward to for next season, like we've been saying. But we'll be able to recap that after it happens as well. But looking ahead to one of the most consistent teams who was not consistent these past couple games, and that is volleyball. They lost on Saturday to the Little Brothers down south, 3-1, which moves the team to 14-6 on the season and 4-4 in the Mountain West. They lost three in a row for the first time this season. We dropped to fourth in the Mountain West after these three losses that we've just taken in a row. Kayla Foa, though, against UNLV, she had another double-double with 18 kills, 12 digs, Freshman Sydney Peterson led the team in blocks again with seven on the day. Daylon Burns had 38 assists, and we only had a .208 hitting percentage in the match with a .077 hitting percentage in the third set, so incredibly low looking there. Seems we may be falling into a rut in the Mountain West play. UNLV is good, is pretty good in Mountain West play, 6-2. and two, They actually took our spot in the third place uh, in the rankings after we lost to them. But we also lost to New Mexico. This game was Thursday where the pack fell to the Lobos three sets to two. The game was back and forth with Nevada winning the first set and the third set but fell 15-9 to nine in the decisive fifth set. Shocker here, Kayla Foa, another double-double on the night. She's been absolutely killing it. Alfoa, however, was held to a .067 hitting percentage on the night. Killy Robbins had a great night with 19 kills to lead the team, and she had a .341 hitting percentage. Burns had 50 assists to go along with her three service aces, so absolutely great game from Dalen Burns. Again, a low team hitting percentage of .203. You like to see that around like the .3 mark. Little low in that category. New Mexico picked up their first win in the Mountain West play, currently 1-6 in conference. But looking ahead, we face the University of Wyoming at Laramie, Wyoming, Thursday at 5.30 p.m. So this team that started off incredibly hot uh, has lost three in a row to make them 14-6 on the season, 4-4 in the Mountain West. Not the best games that we just played over the weekend. We have lost three in a row now. And we gave New Mexico their first win. I don't know what's been going on with this team. It seems like we can't 
we can't hit consi- uh, consistently. It seems like our hitting percentage, like we've touched touched on, has gone way low, and it seems like we're just making little errors that just kind of hurt our team in big ways. And when we're playing against these lesser competitions against San Jose State and New Mexico, we can't be losing to these kinds of teams. We need to beat the easy teams, and when we face the hard teams, make it a really, really tough game. Because, you know, we're losing New Mexico. If we face Colorado State, you know, that we're going to get absolutely plastered if we're if we're just if we're losing to New Mexico. So we need to step it up, and uh, I think our hitting percentage is a great sign of how we've kind of been playing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you have uh, the New Mexico game, when you have your hitting leader, kind of Kayla Ofoa, with a point oh six seven hitting percentage, that's really something you don't like to see. Like you said, the errors have been hurting us, but they've been, I feel like, more spaced out than um, earlier in the season where we were having a lot of return errors and service errors that really hurt us, and they all kind of seem to come in bunches. Now it seems a little more spaced out, so not just letting those turnovers capitalize uh, through other teams' points. But yeah, like you said, I feel like we're kind of playing down to some of these competitions like New Mexico. Definitely not a good team. You know, they picked up their first win in conference play against us. Even though we did make it a close game, like you said, it shouldn't have been a close game. It should have been a blowout. Um, We probably should have swept or went 3-1. And then UNLV does have a pretty good volleyball team this year. So that loss doesn't hurt me as much, even though we should be playing them tougher than we did um, especially at home in Virginia Street Gym, that some the ladies love playing in, loving that home support. But yeah, just a couple of disappointing losses here. It's going to be tough for them to battle back. We really had some early hopes when non-conference kind of finished up, you know, maybe some tournament talk. But now it's more looking like um, we're really going to have to battle back here if you want to even um, have a chance at some postseason tournament uh, for the girls. But all in all, you know, just cleaning up some of the errors and then kind of finding our groove when it comes to finishing sets and then finishing plays on the offense as well. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, like you said, it's kind of seemed like this year was going to be us in Colorado State's year, and now we have to kind of work back to maybe be even finishing in the top three in the Mountain West. I think these ladies can do it. It's a really resilient team, I feel like, and we have a lot of young players who might ha- not have been through that adversity yet on the volleyball team, so it'll be interesting to get the adversity out now and see how we can finish the season. But ultimately, no matter what happens this season, I think we're going to have a great next season just because of the young core that we do have. But we'll be able to get you guys all caught up on all things volleyball coming on Friday's episode and then following on next Monday's episode as well. But now let's get into the nitty-gritty Football had a disappointing game on Saturday against Utah State in Utah. We lost 36-10. to We are now 4-3 and after Saturday's game. Honestly, the way I'm starting to look at this team is we could right now be sitting at 2-5. and Yeah, that's something we talked about during the Utah State game. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, we still have a winning record, blah, blah, blah. But without those two kicks from yeah. Talton, especially the big one against yes, Purdue, yeah. Uh, we're two and five, and we're not looking as hot against probably a San Jose State team, which we didn't play well at all when we squeaked out a win. And yeah. then the Purdue game um, had a super slow first half and really came out strong in the second half. But yeah, I agree. It, it could be a really wrong season if Talton isn't on this team. The way our offense is playing is we we are deserving of a two and five record. If if you know what I mean, like if Brandon Talton didn't kick those kicks in. Our offense, the way we are playing, is deserving of a two and five record. This is embarrassing. And I'm just going to be straight up with it. This is embarrassing, the way our offense... It looks like they don't even have any heart. It looks like they come out there and it just we're getting absolutely destroyed on offense every single game. And I, I don't know where... Maybe it's because we don't have a solid like leader on the team. Uh, Ty Ganji has done a great job in the past to kind of lead this team, no matter what people like to say about his quarterback ability. He was a leader of this team, and he was really the face of the offense. And now we, you know, the revolving door quarterback. Now, I mean, we'll touch on a little bit. Is Malik even the starter anymore? That kind of stuff creeps into play. And when you don't have a solid starting quarterback, the momentum, the heart, the everything about the offense kind of goes out the window. And we saw definitely a display of that on Saturday where we just can't get anything going. I mean, Toa had 20 touches for, I think, 85 yards and a touchdown. Malik didn't do as bad as the scoreline would suggest, I feel like. He did have two picks, but he 
went 17 for 38, 213 yards. He had two INTs. Romeo Dubs played all right. He had four receptions for 80 yards thanks to those first couple early drives. But, I mean, it seemed like we just can't get anything clicking. Yeah, outside of the first drive, we drove down the field. Had a really nice drive, like you said, and then had two penalties in the red zone that really cost us. I think it was two false starts. One of them was on the one-yard line. When we had that wildcat package in with Devontae Lee, our – you know, bowling ball of a running back right. that would easily score from a yard out in that situation. We have to settle for that field goal to put us up three nothing, and then we give up a kick return on the suing kickoff. Mm-hmm. Yep. It just, I agree with you. Our offense looks terrible at this point. Yeah. Our offensive line is the worst part of this offense. They have been plagued with some injuries, have some guys move around, um, but they are just not getting a push. I think we watched definitely a solid three quarters of the game in the fourth quarter. We kind of tailed off a little bit, but. I think in those three quarters, we had one solid push on like a third and one that we really needed. Um, that was the first push I saw all night from our offense. Malik was scrambling left and right. Yep. Never had time to sit in the pocket. Um, it's just not looking so hot for the football team right now. I mean, we both expected a loss. Utah State is a very good Mountain West team. Jordan Love is a very good quarterback. But we looked absolutely pitiful on offense. Right. And I would like to preface this by saying it's not all over. I'm just very upset by the way our offense is playing. It's not like it's not all over. Utah State's probably the best team that we'll face for the remainder of the schedule. Agreed. Uh, we have Wyoming, who is a pretty good team in their own right. We have San Diego State, who's a good team. Fresno State, who's a good team. But then we also have New Mexico and San Jose, or New Mexico and UNLV. So while there definitely is a chance, I think we're still going to make a bowl game. There's no. I mean, I think we win two games. But it's just the way our offense is playing is getting a little bit more scary. Like, it's just every single game we see is, is this team going to be able to win two more games? And I, the way the offense is playing, I truly don't know. But on the other side of the ball, our defense is doing amazing. I mean, they kept a really good quarterback in check. Jordan Love went 13 for 31, so that's not a great completion percentage at all. Only 169 yards. He kept him only one TD and forced an interception. Our defense did a great work going against "quote unquote" Heisman Dark Horse, and it was our secondary that I was worried about. And they they got they kind of pretty much stepped up. I mean, they only gave up one touchdown. They got a pick off of them, but I mean, our offense can't put points on the board. They they did not score on our defense the entire first quarter. We had to do that. We had to kick the field goal, and then they had the kick return. That was our special teams, and then they had the safety. I mean, our defense was solid the entire first quarter, and then we kind of slipped up a little bit. But I just don't think that this team – I think this team is lacking an identity. Yeah. I mean, to touch on that defensive point, uh, you heard Jay Norvell talk about it uh, in his Monday presser that, you know, third down conversion, both teams were in the 20s. Horrible. In passing completion, both teams were kind of in the 40s. Yeah. Um, and that's a big credit to both defenses. And I think both offenses didn't really come out to play. I think Utah State – like figured it out more in the end towards the end of the game um but through the first couple quarters i think our defense played extremely well um something that we kind of didn't see coming but you know they definitely played um above a lot of people's expectations um but like you said my expectations yeah i agreed in mine too and holding jordan love who i think during the broadcast they said he was the sixth best quarterback on mel kuyper's 2020 big board or whatever um, which is something that you know that a defense should hang their hat on. You know, Definitely. we really kept them down and out. We had big games from Malik and Dom. Mm-hmm. Um, really big stepping up on that defensive line. But yeah, like you said, I think this team is really struggling for an identity. We need to find out who we are, and I think it's more looking like we're just going to be a defensive team that our offense needs to pitch a couple points here and there, and our defense is really going to be relied on kind of down this home stretch of tough games too. Definitely. And that's the thing that at least for me is most frustrating is when our offense literally just needs to score a couple times. Like in the in these games, one score goes a long way. Like if if like you said, we were on the one yard line, if we push that thing in in the very first drive that we had, it's seven zero instead of three zero and then they score the touchdown and it's tied instead of them up. You know what I mean? And it's just we just need a couple scores to actually put us ahead in these type of games. But injuries have been plaguing us, left and right. I mean, that's no excuse from how we've been playing because it's always next man up mentality, but our injuries have been huge. Daniel Brown, 
pretty much the leader of the secondary. Didn't mm-hmm. play last game. Lucas Weber broke his ankle during practice before the game. He needs to have surgery. Probably won't even be back unless we make a bowl game. Romeo Dubs, coach said it in the press conference, got banged up. Doesn't know how well he's going to be able to practice this week looking to head into Wyoming. Kelton Moore, out with an ankle injury. Didn't play last game. We need him because while he doesn't get a lot of touches, he's a leader in this offense. He's a senior that has been able to step up and lead this offense. He didn't get a play. Cam Toomer, out for the season. QB decision tomorrow. I mean, it's just a lot of uncertainty. It's like... It's no excuse, but if this team was healthy, I think we'd be seeing a different team out there. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, like you said, we can't blame right. our injuries uh, due to the fact that we're playing poorly. You know, in our interview with Coach Joss, he really harped on next man up. That's right. what coaches yeah. are always pushing. It's the grit that they keep preaching. Rightly, you know I mean? yes, rightly should that our coaches should be pushing next man, next man up. Yeah. It's a great you know ability to have on your team when you can kind of go to your depth chart and be like, this dude can play. He can ball out if there is some injuries. But like you said, just a lot of key people that are getting injured. Um, Lucas Weber, injured. Jake Nelson, injured. Those are two big-time senior captains on both sides of the ball that we are now playing without. Daniel Brown, probably our best defensive back so far this season. Kind of a big question. Jay really didn't know um, if he'd be back with that kind of a, I think it was a head injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same with Romeo Dubs, kind of dealing with a banged-up head. Um, two injuries that really shouldn't be taken lightly, and it's kind of you want to bring them back as slowly as possible and make sure they are ready to go because it's something, obviously, playing football, that's a, a big issue right now. And like you said, he he kind of gave the team a day off today. They had meeting. They had film. Um, other than that, no practice. The QB decision, he said, will most likely be tomorrow before practice. So he's got to sit on a lot of things right now and um, really kind of get this team prepared to play a good Wyoming team that likes to run the ball, one of our strengths as a defense Mm -hmm. is run defense, like we've harped on all season. Um, Obviously, we'll preview that on Friday's episode more. But, you know, listening to him in this press conference, I listened to, I think, most of it. He just kind of looks in a state where I don't know if he knows what's going on. He looks dazed and confused. Yeah, Like, he looks truly like where he he just has his head down. He's just given, you know – the most minimal of answers. He just looks, I don't want to say defeated because I truly don't think this team is defeated, but it's starting to look like that. It's starting to look like the team thinks that no matter what breaks they can get, it just isn't working out. He was also asked about the, remember last week how we, or in the bye week, how we kind of switched up our practice schedule a little bit. He was asked if that would go back. He didn't think it would go back. It's just kind of a lower impact volume injury kind of, Free playing, kind of, yeah. yeah, practice. Well, that's um, why they didn't practice today is because they're all banged Yeah, they're all banged up. up. Yeah. So it's just – it's really hard. Jay Norvell's in a really tough spot. Yep. Um, you know, he is a good coach. I think he can figure his way out of this one. Um, but it's going to take some grit from the team mm-hmm. like they like to preach. Um, it's going to take some guys really stepping up, and it's going to take, I think, a solution to the quarterback spot is kind of our biggest thing. And then our offensive line obviously just needs to step up. Yep. Speaking of next guys stepping up, Malik Brody, who was playing at the absence of Lucas Weber. Malik Brody had a huge game. He had two sacks for a combined loss of 22 yards, four solo tackles, five total tackles, and one forced fumble. Don Peterson had one sack, five total tackles, constant pressure on Jordan Love, and then Birddale Robbins, who had a great game with a fumble recovery and an INT, and like we said, the secondary just absolutely killed it against Jordan Love, who's a very, very great, great quarterback, forced two fumbles, got one back, forced an interception. They played amazing, but looking ahead, like you said, against Wyoming, a 5-2 and two team, we'll be able to preview all that on Friday, but... Malik Henry, in my opinion, gets the start. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think we have to keep Malik. I mean, he's not playing awful. Um, Coach Norvell was asked in the press conference on his first road start, you know, what can he take away? And um, Jay was very adamant on he had a lot of stuff he could learn from film this week. Film study is going to be huge. But like, like we keep saying, Malik, I think, is the best option right now, especially with the struggling offensive line. His ability to move around in and outside the pocket and then have that strong arm to be able to make some of the throws outside the pocket on the run um, is especially critical. We did see him kind of throw up an errant pass to a deep ball that was, 
you know, kind of really disappointing. Um, Incredibly disappointing. You like to see him kind of toss that ball out of bounds. Definitely. But trying to make plays when we're down and when he should really just hit a check down is something that Coach Novell also harped on. I do okay. think he gets a start in this Wyoming game, but after this Wyoming game, if he doesn't do so hot, I think that revolving door kind of comes back and we'll kind of play quarterback by committee. But I hope we can stick with one quarterback for the rest of the season. We need that celerity at quarterback, and we need to have a leader back there. Yeah, I mean, if we don't have a leader back there in quarterback and we have a revolving door, we don't win two more games. I, I honestly I honestly truly believe that. And that, that would be starting 4-2 and two and – like looking at it and being like, oh yeah, we only need two more games out of this many games to go to a bowl game. And now it's like, can we actually get to a bowl game? That will be something that we need to look forward to and to, to truly see if that we can actually do it. Cause now is the stretch. That's very, very important. It started with this Utah state game, even though most people thought it was a loss, it was still, you know, one of those games that we can maybe squeak by and then get an extra game towards bowl eligibility. But now we're in the really the stretch of things. Wyoming's a winnable game, even though they are very good. Then we play, then we play a very, very bad New Mexico team, who is probably the worst in the conference now that San Jose State's doing a little bit better. So that, you would think, is a winnable game, depending on who's under center and how our offense can play, if we can actually put points on the board. And then we have the San Diego State Fresno duo, that's going to be incredibly hard, both away games, and then we end the season at UNLV, who's a winnable game. So you're looking at New Mexico State and UNLV as winnable games to get us to a bowl game, and now it's like, if our offense can't score, then it's looking that we're not even going to be bowl eligible, and that would be a huge statement to Wolfpack fans who have not really been coming out to football games and have been expecting a lot of things through Norvell's third year, and now we're not even bowl eligible. Those are huge implications looking at the football program and what it's going to be in the future. I agree. Like Moving forward, this stretch of games we harped on preseason is going to be the toughest no yep. matter where we were as a football team. Right. You know, Fresno State obviously playing a lot better than we thought at the beginning of the season San Diego State kind of the same thing we thought they would be around this position um but like you said it's gonna you know the New Mexico which we thought was an easy win UNLV which we thought was an easy win are both gonna be games where we kind of sit there and kind of hope yeah they're gonna be way closer way, yeah like I, especially like the point spread and everything like opening up it's just it's gonna be two completely different games now like we saw in the San Jose State game, I mean, yep. we beat them by Perfect a field example. goal. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that kind of is the mantra of right. kind of our football season right now, barely beating a team that has won how many games in the past couple of years. Right. Just literally send, sending Brandon Tallon out there, just hoping that he could just save the game for our team. It's going to be an interesting end of the season. I do, I agree with you. I think if we really don't make a bowl, I think there might be some big changes coming mm-hmm. for this football team. Maybe not at the head coach spot, right. but maybe some of those other coaches. That's what I was saying. Uh, defense coordinators, um, position coaches, stuff like that. So it's really going to be interesting to see how we finish out the year. Something to kind of keep an eye on as some hot seats get a little bit hotter yep. here in Nevada. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the team just looks lost ultimately. They look like they need a big boost, and we just are lost to see, you know, where that boost is going to come from. But. Like we said, come Friday, we're going to be previewing the Wyoming game. We are still on the Jay Norvell train, at least I am. Um, I, I truly believe that he's a great coach. He's very knowledgeable, and he's he can coach young, young men into being successful. I just think we have a long way to go, and I don't think this is our – personally, I don't think this is our year. But I still think we can make a bowl game. It's just going to be a lot harder now, and um, we'll be able to see how we match up against that Wyoming team on Friday. But a little brighter spot, and let's, I know... Let's go a little bit happier right. here to end Yeah, this, let's, so. let's end it on a happy note, and I know a lot of Pack fans have been wanting to see this team in action, and we got it. Boy, did we get it. This basketball team looks... At least my initial reaction was, sitting courtside, they looked excited, they looked hungry to play, and this is going to be such a fun team to watch. This team can shoot. This team plays fast, they play hard. And um, I know it was against Cal State East Bay. They're they're not a good team. I think they had one player to score. Like, literally, I think one player had, like, 20-something yeah. points. The rest of the people did, probably didn't even reach 10, I'm guessing. Yeah, I think you're about right with that statement. So they had one player that can score. They are not a good team. I would say they're a horrible team. But 
this is a first game for a very very new team that has a vi that has a brand new coach, a brand new system, a brand new program in play, and we looked, in my opinion, very good. I'm not taking just one game out of context. I think we played a very good basketball game. Yeah, and I think you see, we talked about this off air and after the game. Um, the first half was iffy, slow, and very slow. Yeah. Um, but I think that is kind of. Uh, stepping on Lawler for the first time mm -hmm. those players starting to get to know each other a little bit better playing against a different team you know it's always a different kind of feeling when you're playing your own guys and even with your if you're on the same team as them it's kind of you know I know what they're going to do but what are they going to do when it actually you know hits yep. the court we have the lights on in Lawler and we got some people watching um you know and then that second half they just really exploded um I think fun is a great word to use for this team I think it's going to be a fun team to watch we have people that can really stretch the four oh yeah zane meeks played amazing we'll kind of touch on stats a little bit later but he played amazing Jalen harris really lit it up in the second half yep and we got a big ovation as they called Lindsay drew's name in that starting lineup that was probably that gave me goosebumps i'm not gonna lie hearing the cheers uh you know it was jazz and then Lindsay was the last one announced we heard a good ovation for jazz everyone kind of some standing ovations spread around the arena and then you hear Lindsey Drew's name and it seemed like the whole arena got up it was almost like standing screaming. o yeah it, they gave him almost a standing o coming back to the team and exactly what he deserves coming back yes. to this team um so really really good to see yeah the team's gonna be fun to watch and I can't wait to you know get out to Lawler and really hop on this train again this season oh yeah it's gonna be a fun team to watch but before we actually break down the game specifically the AP poll came out today Mm -hmm. The first AP poll of NCAA basketball. And obviously the fans know we're basketball heads, so anything NCAA basketball comes out, we got to talk about it. But it's more about the implications of what teams we do play and where they are ranked just in this opening poll. Utah State is ranked 17th. That's a, a Mountain West foe that we're going to be playing twice, so that's great coverage right there. We also play St. Mary's this year. They are ranked 20th. And those are the only two teams that we play that are ranked but Cincinnati, who we could see possibly at the Paradise Jam, if we win two games, they win two games on their side of the bracket, we could face each other in the final, and that's another team that is getting votes for uh, top 25 who can maybe move into that top 25 spot in later in the season. So that, those are some pretty decent teams that we're playing, some pretty good uh, some pretty good teams. We play Utah to open up the season, but we're playing some pretty good teams, playing some good, pretty good talent, Utah State 17th, St. Mary's. 20th but those are just options for some great wins and to maybe you know stack on this at large berth that we might have to get maybe hopefully um but like yeah like we said just the 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 unit that came out against the exhibition game looked very solid um but a little different of a starting lineup than i definitely thought uh we went with a little bit of a bigger lineup a uh, small backcourt, but then a really big frontcourt. We had Lindsey Drew at point guard, Jazz Johnson at shooting guard, Jalen Harris at small forward. Those three I knew were locks, but then we saw KJ Himes actually play the four, the power forward, so really tall power forward. And then we saw John Carlos Reyes play the center, who's a transfer from Boston College. So we saw a pretty big lineup to start the game, but we also saw a smaller lineup. I think it was the second half. Mm -hmm. um, our, I think our biggest player in there was Zane Meeks, and then we had Lindsey, Jazz, Jalen, and um, Kane Milling. Kane Milling, who was in there, and then I think Zane was our technically our five, who was stretching the four and had an amazing game on the glass. So I think we're gonna see uh, the lineup switch a little bit. Maybe we'll be able to see a smaller lineup to start the game. But, I mean, ultimately we saw a lot of different lineups from Coach uh, Alfred, and that's something we haven't seen with uh, Coach Muss over the past couple years. Yeah, and to that point, I think uh, Coach Alfred did a great job of kind of experimenting with different lineups. That's something you really want to do in these exhibition games. You know, see who's playing well together against different competition, kind of test out some different things. We saw that really small ball lineup, and it worked. You know, we saw success with that. And then we also saw some – Pretty big lineups with yeah. um, Lindsey at, I think, the one. And then I think Jalen was playing the two, and we kind of went really big with yeah, like Zane. Zane playing yeah. the three. Yeah. And then KJ and John Carlos. So it's really interesting to see. We did have two people that didn't even play. We had Eric Parrish, who was not suited. And then uh, Robbie Robinson, Robbie Robinson yeah. was also not suited. Uh -huh. And those were both coaches' decisions. 
um, kind of giving them some rest. So that's two pieces that we really didn't see. Two um, big pieces. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then kind of having that eight-man rotation, kind of interesting to see. And then we also did get some of the walk-ons in there, yep. which is always good to see. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the lineup and coaching, I thought it was really good from Steve Alford, something I was expecting, you know, right. him rotating a lot of players, keeping people fresh, and then um, keeping the team really looking sharp. Right, yeah, Coach Alford touched on it at the after the game. They had a pro, post-game press conference, which is pretty cool, and then they asked him about, you know, the rotation and how many people are going to be playing, and he said, like, he, like you just said, we don't even have our full team. Uh, Eric Parrish, Robbie Robinson, who both sat – he didn't say due to injury. It was just coach's decision, which is kind of weird, but um, they might just be a little banged up, you know, starting the season. But he wants to have a 10-man rotation. What, what – 10 people touched the court on Saturday due to the two walk-ons – but, I mean, he truly wants a 10-man rotation starting the season, which is completely opposite from the six-man rotation that we saw with Muss uh, during his time here. So it's going to be fun to watch people get a lot of action and a lot of time as, you know, some newer faces Pack fans are going to be able to see. But ultimately, like you said, we started slow. 26% from the field in the first half, 20% from the three. 61% from the free throw line in that first half. But in the second half, we really woke up. 60% from the field, 63% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. Um, just absolutely killed it in their first exhibition game. Just kind of woke up, I would say. Um, we were two for 10 in the three-point line in the first half, but seven for 11 in the second half. And then we got to the line, was it, 39 times? A lot, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a ton. Uh, Coach Alfred hit it right in the head when, when he said it's not the most exciting brand of offense getting to the line 39 times, but it's a very, very effective. Those are free points that we're only going to get better at. I mean, you know, have the crowd start chanting. You have the crowd behind you as you're shooting a free throw. It could be kind of nerve-wracking in your first game. You kind of get through it, though, uh, later on. So I think this team is only going to be more efficient, obviously, depending on the types of teams we're playing. But, um, you know, out of those new guys, we saw Zane, we saw Kane Milling, we saw... KJ, KJ Himes, we saw Jalen Harris. We saw these people for the first time uh, starting to play with us. Uh, who really stepped out in your mind and really had a huge game? I mean, I think the obvious answer is Zane Meeks having the double-double, um, really just positioning himself very well. I know right. we talked about this off-air, but I really wanted to hit on it. I think his positioning under the basket set him up for some of the big rebounds. He's not the biggest guy obviously on the court um, with KJ and John Carlos, but he pulled down the most rebounds on the team 14, and that's yeah. due to his positioning and kind of basketball IQ and awareness. Well, and not only positioning, but rebounding is all hustle. That's mm -hmm. the biggest hustle stat that coaches look at is how many rebounds you have, how hard are you actually performing? 14 rebounds, your very first D1 game ever, granted it is an exhibition, but you're playing against D1 athletes. 14 rebounds is absolutely insane. Yeah, and that's something I think we both didn't predict. No. Um, kind of seeing him pick and pop was really nice as well. Missed his first, I think, three shots yeah. and then came back really strong in the second half. But my player that surprised me the most was Kane Milling. I thought he did an amazing job of distribu distributing the ball, yeah. finding open people, and not forcing the issue. You know, um, Coach Alfred talked in the post-game press conference about how Zane – and Kane really played um, good and within themselves. And I think Jalen Harris also touched on it. Right. He was really uh, happy and surprised with how they played. And it's going to be a tough decision for Coach Alford with two freshmen yeah. that played really well and kind of having two of our really good um, upperclassmen players, our JUCO transfers, that weren't even playing in that game. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how he distributes the minutes going forward. But I loved Kane Milling in this game. I thought he played really content within himself and made some really good decisions with the basketball. Yeah, I think Kane is going to be a perfect point guard to take over when Lindsey needs a break. Kane was able to distribute the ball very, very well. I mean, he found uh, Niz, was it Nizre for those two threes yeah. in the corner, back-to-back -back on the pretty much the same play. Same exact play. He was able to just find people that were open. He was able to distribute the ball. He brought up the ball under pressure many times. They brought him up before half – or they picked him up before half court – he was able to dribble past that, not really he didn't really turn over the ball. I think he had he only had three turnovers, which was tied with 
John Carlos Reyes and Lindsey Drew as the most. But I mean, when you have the ball in your hand that much, three turnovers is is doable. It's that's you can live with that. I mean, especially when you're starting point guard, Lindsey's given up three, the ball three times. I mean, you can live with that. So he had two assists, both to Nizre, but um, he had a great game, like you're saying. Jalen Harris obviously had a, an amazing game. He went six for 13 from the field, three for five from three point line for 21 points, led the team in points. He started out really slow. I think those were where those misses came from. I think he missed three or four in a row, but then really started uh, hammering home in the second half. I think everyone just kind of woke up in that second half, really. They just started playing well. Yeah, I think so too. And then um, in that post game, kind of going off your point about Jalen, he really harped on his teammates kept getting the ball in that second half. You know, he was starting slow, like you said, but really heated up in the second half. And I think the most impressive thing for me was how he hit shots that were very contested shots and people played really good defense on him. And he was knocking down threes, Mm -hmm. hitting some mid-range jumpers with hands in his face. And that's something you really like to see from probably he's going to be one of our kind of go-to scores this season. And then you kind of see Jazz not having the best game in his own eyes. He really couldn't get open. They played really good defense East Bay in the first half and in the second half, granted, too. Um, I think it was a really good test for us, but Jazz coming off some screens, couldn't really get the space he really likes and needs um, to kind of pull up from three. And then, you know, you see people like Nizre, Jalen, really attacking the basket, playing with confidence, um, something that we saw that really had hope for me and kind of talked about in our basketball preview was Nizre will kind of have to have a really step-up season from last year. And I think he really showed out and um, played an amazing game and um, kind of had that confidence from Alfred going forward. Yeah, I think Jazz, I mean, I'm not worried about Jazz at all. Yeah, me neither. Not one bit. The way he performed last year on a very, very good team, finding his role and scoring when we needed him to score, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, Jalen Harris reminds me of Caleb Martin. I mean, he just does. I think Caleb has a little bit of a better shot. But, I mean, it's just that guy, like you said, we need to go to when we need a bucket. But then two other people, real quick, that really, really surprised me is John Carlos Reyes. Truth be told, I'm going to be completely transparent right now. I was not happy when I heard about this signing. Just because I didn't I didn't know how he fit the team, really. I, mm-hmm. I knew he was a big man that we needed, but it was more like he does he can't, he can't shoot the ball very well. He's kind of stiff around the blocks. Um, but, he, I mean, he, he proved me completely wrong. Eight rebounds, nine points. Secretly had a great game. No one really talked about him post-game, but... He he's giving he's going to give the team much needed length, much needed rebounding, and a little bit of a point production down low. He had some pretty good post moves that surprised me a lot because I mean look at him run down the court. He's not yeah. the most athletic person, but then when you give him the ball on the block, it's like, okay, he can make that left-handed floater over a guy. So I mean it was really cool to see. But then last but not least, the person that I'm hoping just has the best year because of what happened last year, is Nizre, who had the second most points on the team uh, from this game, 16 points. He went 5 for 7 from the field, 2 for 3 from the 3-point line, and 4 from 5 from the free throw line. He had 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and like I said, 16 points with 1 steal. Probably the most efficient game he has yet to have on a Nevada court. Absolutely killed it, and I think he's going to step into his own now that he has a coach that actually believes in him and won't take him out after one damn miss. Yeah, I mean, that was – I agree with you. I think that's the most impressive thing. And then it was right off the bat, too. It wasn't like – it didn't take him time. He kind of was hesitant in the beginning. I think the first couple times he touched the ball, he put his head down and went right to the basket. Um, Got a really nice and one on a fast break, finishing with his left hand um, around the defender who was posted up in in the block. But, yeah, I mean, he played extremely well. And you kind of saw the relief in the post-game yep. press conference from him as he was being asked questions, how he could finally just kind of have Maybe this smile. Yeah. I think this was the first time he's seen him smile. I think so, too. Like, it was just really good to see from a kid who, you know, had a really a lot of high expectations that was kind of getting beat up on by a lot of, you know, people around Nevada, you know, kind of expecting more from Nizre. But now I think it's his really is time to shine um and i'm really looking forward to see what he kind of does this season right well it's kind of hard to shine when you have a coach that doesn't believe in you and he'll take you out after one miss and then you know just hammer you on everything you're doing wrong and i I just didn't think you have had anyone behind him last year and i think he's gonna have a great year this year but the most important topic that we have yet to touch on before wrapping up the the episode this is the most important thing uh if, if you guys get one thing out of the episode is this who is going to fill Obviously, the GOAT's position is uh, who's going to fill David Cunningham's position as the 
person that comes in late in the game that the fans absolutely go crazy for. They lose their minds for. I think for me it has to be Gabe Bansuelo. I mean, local kid, Bishop Minogue. He had the the ball in his hands for a little bit while he came in there. He was kind of passing the ball. A lot like we saw David Cunningham did freshman year when he got the ball. He was kind of hesitant to actually do anything with it. Uh, but I think who's going to take his spot? That's the most important thing. I mean, I'd like to preface this statement with I don't think anyone could ever be David Cunningham. Nice. I think he I is the greatest walk-on bench player of all time yes. that we've ever seen at Nevada. Um but I think I'm, – I'm agreeing with you. I think it's Gabe. I think the hometown aspect of it Definitely. is really going to ring home uh, with a lot of people playing at Bishop Minogue. You know, being this walk-on for Nevada basketball is something that should be a hallowed treasure. Um, we should have a section of it in Lawler. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be him. We see him scoring his first points mm-hmm. in a Nevada uniform with those couple of free throws that he had at the end of the game. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time when he gets in um, with a full crowd yes. at Lawler. It's gonna be a really exciting kind of atmosphere. But yeah, I don't think anyone can kind of be on the level that David was. But I think Gabe's gonna come pretty close this season. No, oh, I agree. I mean, no one can match what Ga- uh, what uh, David Cunningham did for sure. The goat among the greatest of goats is David Cunningham. But I mean, if there is a stat to kind of say how this game went, I mean, we were down eight eight to zero starting the game. And I think Coach Alfred said in the post game, he was like, I wanted to see how they would react, you know, getting hit in the mouth. And getting getting down 8-0 is a big shot in the mouth. Like, okay, yeah, they're, they just scored four unanswered points, and we and now it's the first media timeout, and we have yet to have a basket, and we can't get anything going. So it's how they responded, and they responded quite well. 27-7 to run. They held them to seven points in the final, like, what, 14 minutes of that entire yeah. half. So absolutely – Outscoring them 27-7 to to close out the half is absolutely crazy and a huge, huge testament to how I think we're going to do in the future. But looking ahead, guys, next basketball game is going to be October 30th, Wednesday, against Colorado Christian, again at home. So be able to get out and watch this team again dominate as um, I think basketball is going to be, again, a a very bright spot, and I think we're going to surprise a lot of people moving forward. Do you have uh, any last thoughts as we wrap up this episode? Kind of a disappointing week for Olympic sports and football. Um, We see some up and downs like we kind of prefaced in the beginning of the show. Um, Let's see how we respond as kind of a whole sports athletic department. Um, Hopefully we can bounce back and play really well. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how we kind of do this week after some up and down struggles. Um, but that's how you figure out what a team's made of is how they're going to bounce back after having some tough losses here and there. Yeah, I agree. And some people may be thinking, well, you know, they didn't play the best. They didn't perform the best. They didn't do what they said they were going to do. But they're looking at us saying you guys did the same thing. Oh, yeah. Pack player of the week. Oh, God. We again didn't do it on Sunday. But you know what? We didn't feel anyone was was worthy. No one showed out. And that is our challenge that we post. This is our challenge that we post to pack players. If, if we don't think anyone was rightfully uh, performed in their in their like greatest sense, or if you know we don't think anyone did as well as we thought they could do, we're not going to put a pack player of the week up. Yeah. And I think there was only one player that was really deserving was the athletic department's player of the week. Uh, Victoria Gailey was right. probably the only person we would have put on there. But what's that fun when right. you only have if, one person to yeah, vote for? Right. So we wanted to give you guys a break. So you guys are actually welcome. We didn't forget about it. We just didn't think anyone performed up to par. So here's a challenge to all to all players. Is step the F up. And maybe we'll put you on Pack Player of the Week. It's an honor to be on those polls, all right? <laughs> no, realistically, though, we did forget again. But we will be able to <laughs> do it next week, all right? We promise we will, we will remember next week. And we're going to have a lot more people. I think deserving of that. So, um, looking ahead though, Friday is going to be a great episode. We'll be able to highlight some Olympic sports that have been taking place, and we'll be able to give a full preview, a full breakdown, a in-depth preview, everything you need to know about the Wyoming game. Come Saturday, it's going to be a huge game with a lot of bowl game implications. So we'll be able to break all that down Friday. So stay tuned, guys. Thank you so much for giving us your time, and let's go, Pat.